When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Sarah Saunders. And I'm Heather Drago. For those of you returning, welcome back. We're humbled and happy you've decided to continue on this journey with us. Quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, This podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. Today, Sarah's going to unpack anxiety. She'll be helping us define it so then we can deconstruct it and make ourselves feel better. Um, This hits really close to home for me, Sarah. We talked about this with Allie Klotz in our last interview episode. And while I don't um, experience anxiety on a regular basis, I have situationally, um, but I have people in my life that I care very much about who suffer from anxiety. I can think of three right off the top of my head. And I often wonder if I'm helping or hurting the situation. And so I I would really love the opportunity to like sit back and be schooled a little bit and learn what what's happening when someone's feeling anxiety and and how they can um, address it. Absolutely. And that is why I'm here to share the content I'm going to be providing because I don't feel like enough people talk about it in this type of way. Um, but before I dive in, I, I'm i just curious, Heather, how are you doing? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm okay. Um, So many of you, I mean, if you've been listening regularly, you know that I'm recovering from breast cancer treatment um, and I finished my radiation this past summer. But, you know, just because it's over, it doesn't mean, you know, you're suddenly miraculously feeling better. Um, Radiation really does a number on your body. Um, So I'm struggling a little bit. I still have some fatigue, pretty significant fatigue. I have some pain. Um related to the radiation and to surgery. Um, and it's triggered some other, some other pain, um, arthritis situations. So, you know, I see, um, this amazing, uh, lymphedema physical therapist every week, um, and at the Cleveland clinic and she's wonderful and she's very helpful. And I'm doing my self-care and my, um, 
my exercises and stretches and I'm, you know, learning new ways of eating and things like that. So I'm, 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 I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do, but I'm pretty, pretty exhausted and, um, and kind of struggling with pain, especially since the, um, the weather's turned a little colder. Um, but you know, this is about the time when, um, you know, I start adjusting and I kind of turn inward and cocoon a little bit and start reading more books and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm okay. I'm, you know, business is doing well. We've got lots of new opportunities coming. I'm talking to lots of great people about projects, you know, so I'm pretty much like booked up through uh, first quarter of next year, which is fabulous. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, it's great. Um, you know, but, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm still learning how to rebalance like the work life balance and, and while taking care of myself. So, you know, I'm okay. It's every day is a challenge. How about you? I mean, I know you didn't get much sleep last night and certain <laughs> little one kept you up all night. So how are you doing? So it's so interesting, Heather, because as you're talking about the exhaustion, like I, I can relate a lot, but just in a different way. And I think a right. lot of people that I've been checking in with lately, especially with the seasonal change, and I know with um, daylight savings time coming up, like there's just, we're, we're all experiencing exhaustion in different ways right now right you hit the nail on the head i have a four-month-old tristan who um he is going through a four-month sleep regression as well as a developmental leap and so last night um you know he was up every hour and this past week normally we'll like hit a stride where you know, he won't sleep. I'll have, you know, a disrupted sleep, but then he'll sleep through the night. And it's kind of like, it gives me just an extra boost, but I'm going on like night six of not having any nights where he's been sleeping through the night. Plus with the two toddlers and working um, mm. and doing the podcast, like it's, it's just a lot, but I will say after doing the interview with Allie Klotz, that whole, if you guys have not gone back and like go back and listen to that episode yeah. because her, what she says is like her doctor had prescribed her to sleep. And so as if some of you follow me on momlife.therapist um, on Instagram, I'm all about my morning routine. And this week specifically, I've only done my morning routine twice. And I've really listened to her and, you know, I've been sleeping when I can. Um, but it's, you know, it's an adjustment right now. And I'm just trying to stay as positive as possible, trying to just give myself space and grace, which I know mm -hmm. we talk about a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely tired and thank goodness for, uh, you know, makeup that are hiding these bags under my eyes. Well, I was about to say, I don't even understand how you're dressed wearing makeup and your hair looks lovely. I'm like wearing leggings. I just barely scrubbed my face and put my hair in a ponytail. Like, how are you doing this? I, I, feel I, I mean, I'm, a, I guess I'm 20 years older than you. So I think it's a little harder for me, but wow. 
It's so funny, but I feel like I've perfected like the five minute, just like quick makeup, you know, a little bit of foundation. Uh, Mascara is like my best friend and a little bit of... I think I've forgotten how to put makeup on in this pandemic. (laughs) I went to put it on the other day and I noticed it was all dried up and I had to buy more and I'm like, how do I do this again? (laughs) I, I just find it helpful, at least for me, like to get myself going, especially working from home and being home all the time Mm -hmm. that if I can just, you know, even if it's just a super quick, like rinse off shower, throw a little bit of makeup on and put new, you know, put an outfit on, it at least makes me feel a little bit more human. You know what my trick is for working at home to make, to put, to do my little mental shift, put your shoes on. Oh, wear shoes. Mm. Uh, My office is upstairs away from the kitchen and the laundry and the hubbub of the house. Mm -hmm. So I literally put my shoes on, grab my purse and I grab my cup of coffee and I go to work. I walk up the stairs. That's my commute. And I'm mentally at work. I love that. So listeners, get yourself some house shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if I'm feeling sassy, I'll put put my boots on and a scarf. Like it just literally it's a mental trick and it works. So anyway. That's awesome. And so... I, I think it's important for us to really, you know, going off of that note, this exhaustion that we're feeling and the seasonal change, we are going to start to notice that we're going to have situational anxieties. And so. And with the holidays coming up too, right? Like that triggers all kinds of anxieties for people. Exactly. So I am. Like Heather said, I'm kind of going to school you guys a little bit. So just hang tight. It's going to be a lot of information, but it's it's all really important to get this understanding. Yeah. And like she said, she's going to school us a bit. So we're going to sit back and listen. Um, but in our second mini-sode this week, I'll be asking some questions and you'll have the opportunity to ask some questions too. Um, you can email us on our website on our anchor page there's a button you can click you can record a message that we can play Um, we'll also be asking in our instagram stories and there will be a text box where you can actually type in a question so make sure you ask us um, your questions if you don't hear them asked on thursday and then um, sarah will be answering them on friday And I'm also going to be in the next mini so the part two of this episode, I am going to give you guys some um, like action items, some things that you can do, but it's important to listen through this episode. So then those tips and action items make sense to you. Right. That makes sense to me. So I feel like people have a tendency to think that anxiety is this like debilitating state, shaking in a corner or this like extreme, having extreme panic attacks. And that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, but for the most part, it's not. The reality is, is that we all have it. It's on a continuum. So I want to define anxiety so then we can deconstruct it. So anxiety is an intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations. Like I mentioned, the feeling of anxiety is very common and natural, and it shows up in stressful situations. So some people, um, you know, often associate 
anxiety with like public speaking or taking a test. I notice when a prospective client reaches out, I I I always ask them like what got you to a point that you felt you needed to make this call and more times than not, they'll tell me my anxiety is bad. I'm having trouble managing my anxiety. I need more tools to help with my anxiety. I feel anxious a lot. The thing that we don't talk about or identify is what is underneath anxiety. The anxiety is a blanket term that usually sits on top of deeper rooted issues and emotions. So... So anxiety is a symptom more than a condition. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Anxiety in my research, Heather, and experience is directly rooted in fear. We are afraid of the unknown, the future, what's to come. We're afraid of judgment, embarrassment, failure, Unmet expectations, rejection, not performing well, looking stupid, being unlovable or unwanted. So part of the therapeutic work that I do is peeling back the layers and really taking time to unpack and connect to the feelings that are leading to the anxiety. Um, So specifically, fear-based thoughts. What I've come to learn through my own research and experience is that we all have a lot of unprocessed fears, unprocessed emotions, which oftentimes come from childhood, that these childhood situations were never fully processed. So sometimes I'll ask a client some like specific questions. And listeners, these might be questions for you to ponder yourself if you are someone that feels, and I'm air quoting, feels anxiety. Do you not trust yourself? Do you look outside of yourself for answers? Do you ever wish you didn't care what other people think? Were you ever told not to say anything, be quiet, or stop talking? Were you ever told to just shake it off? Or were you ever told, just keep this between us? If you answered yes to any of those questions, it's very possible that some of these anxious, anxiety-ridden feelings stem from that. In my work, I, I see a lot of divorces and deaths that didn't get processed at a young age. Clients will have these present day anxieties, but not be able to pinpoint it. So I take clients through a thought journey to help connect the current anxieties that they're feeling, identify the trigger, and process where these fears stem from. I, I'm, I'm, as you were reading off those questions, I was like, check, 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 check. And not just for me, but like, I'm just thinking of the people in my life and the, and situations we were in. And, you know, I'm one of those people where 
Uh, I'm like, I don't care what people think. I don't care if I'm laughing too loud in a restaurant. Those people don't know who I am and I'm never going to see them again. So who the heck cares? But there are people in my family who just think I'm crazy. And they're like, oh my God, you're laughing. You know, mm-hmm. they're so worried about what other people think mm-hmm. or or just every, every single one of these questions. I have a response either in my life or their lives. And so you really hit the nail on the head there. That's There's a lot of food for thought there. Absolutely. And I'm going to kind of take you through how to deconstruct some of that. Okay. I'm going to listen now. (laughs) (laughs) So a simple and a common example, um, and I talked about this in the beginning, is someone experiencing test anxiety. So I work with a lot of adolescents and teens and college students. um, And Usually when it comes to someone experiencing test anxiety, it is very fear-filled messages. Those fear-filled messages are creating this dialogue, this narrative in their head. And if they do poorly on a test, they think their parents are going to be mad at them. They won't get a good grade in that class. So then they won't get into college or they won't get that job that they want. Not getting a good score could lead to embarrassment. So again, a core feeling, feeling embarrassed. People, um, are fearful of how they're going to look in front of other peers. They start to tell themselves they're stupid. If they do bad on the test, they will always be bad at taking tests. And so this label of test anxiety is actually so much deeper than what we actually see beneath the surface. COVID specifically has been a major, major trigger for a lot of people and has allowed a lot of these fear-based thoughts to surface, which, and I'm air quoting, looks like anxiety, but it's really unprocessed fear from our past. Hmm. So as you were saying, Heather, in the beginning, I see anxiety in the work that I do. I see anxiety as a secondary emotion. There is something underneath that anxiety that is causing us to respond in an anxious manner. So the fear or the stress or the whatever it is, is triggering a physical response. And that that is what we call anxiety. You nailed it. Exactly. Okay. Coming from a systemic perspective where I look at the whole family system through my therapeutic work, I have seen over and over and over that these anxieties stem from our childhood. This is not to blame our childhood, but it's to connect the pieces and recognize unprocessed deeper emotions. So there are times that I will talk with clients and I ask them to walk me through. I usually kind of use the language of like, paint me a picture of what that was like for you, specifically when it comes to somebody sharing a panic attack or an extreme reaction that they were having to anxiety. The panic attacks are the extreme side, but 
people truly feel from what they verbalize, like they're having a heart attack. They will share things like, and I'm sure you've heard this before, racing heart, rapid breathing, sweating. Sometimes they even have like blurred vision or they almost like black out, um, having this like out of body experience. Or some people will say, I can't really describe it, but I felt it. I get very specific and I ask them what was happening prior to that panicky episode? What kind of thoughts were going through your head? Then I help them connect back to was there a time in their life that they heard certain messages or experienced a similar feeling? What I have come to find throughout the years of practicing and doing my own research is I find that there are unprocessed traumas or an inner child wound that did not get expressed or processed properly, and that triggers our body's reaction. These panic attacks, it's its like a volcanic eruption, we have buried and pushed down, suppressed and repressed so many emotional wounds that when we're triggered, our body literally explodes. So I'm going to drop a little bomb here. Go for it. So I've mentioned before that I'm getting emotional talking about this. Um, I left art school in my third year, middle of my third year, it was a five-year school at the time because I had a health crisis. Well, it was a mental health crisis and I was, it was very serious um, to the point of, I was in my twenties. I was first time away from home. I became suicidal. Um, I was having panic attacks. I literally thought I was having a heart attack. I was passing out, hyperventilating. Um, and so I luckily I could type and I fell into a marketing job and I got a full-time job and I got health insurance and I got a psychiatrist and a therapist and was diagnosed with PTSD. Wow. And so those, the, those panic attacks, those anxiety attacks, that depression I was feeling all resulted from me um, having that process childhood trauma and adult trauma too, but primarily childhood trauma. And that's because I was, um, I'm the survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And, um, and I hadn't really processed it. I hadn't really talked about it. I just kind of stuffed it for a long time. And, um, you know, I was raised by an amazing woman who worked three jobs to, to, um, you know, feed me and clothe me and house me, you know, but we for a while lived in very tough situations. We lived in what I would call a slum um, until I was about 10 years old and bad things happened. And, um, and so, but I didn't, I, for some reason, I just didn't feel comfortable processing it, talking about it um, until I was away from home in my early twenties and, and everything just came to boil and I couldn't hold it down anymore. And so it took nine years of therapy to wow. process that. And so now when I say, oh, I don't have anxiety, there was a time I did because I had all these unresolved issues. Um, 
And I still go for what I call touch-ups. <laughs> check-ins. <laughs> there are t- yeah. yeah, check-ins, touch-ups, because mm-hmm. I, I'm a big believer. I'm a big proponent of mental health care, and that's why we're doing this. Um, and so I, I, so everything you just said, everything you said about what it feels like, what the experience is like, and how it's unprocessed trauma, like, I think part of me, like, just doesn't think about it. And so on the, you know, sort of surface level, I just think of myself as like, oh, I don't have that situation. But I did at one time. And so I everything you just said just struck home. So yeah, you got to deal with it. You have to you have to dig into the roots of what's causing it. So I tell people this all the time. I am human first therapist second. So I'm going to be human right now. And I, as you were sharing, I got emotional and I am so sorry. I am so sorry that you went through something like that, but that's a chapter of your story that's molded you into where you are now. Right. I mean, my takeaway is it's made me a more empathetic, caring, um, resilient person. I wouldn't be who I am had I not had the experiences I've had. So yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a chapter of my story. It doesn't define me. I don't consider myself a victim. I consider myself a survivor Mm -hmm. and one in four women are victimized or taken advantage of or traumatized or whatever words you want to use. You know, this is a very common experience. So I'm, uh, you know, nothing special. You absolutely are something special. (laughs) And I so appreciate your vulnerability because by you being vulnerable, it is going to help others connect to you and your story. And for those of you, Heather had mentioned PTSD. If you're not familiar, it's post-traumatic stress disorder. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes, like Heather was mentioning, um, people will come in you know, seeking services for what they're calling anxiety. But as you continue to do this Mm -hmm. type of work, you realize that there is trauma associated, which I'm going to kind of unpack some of that um, as we continue. I'll stop dropping bombs on you. (laughs) No, keep them coming. Keep them coming. So with Heather sharing and being so vulnerable, it brings up another part of what I wanted to talk about, which is Brene Brown. I don't know if you have heard- I love her so much. I don't know if I know anyone that doesn't. And if listeners, you do not know who she is, please, please, please look her up. She is, she has the second most watch TED TEDx talk, The Power of Vulnerability, which you can find on YouTube. She's a researcher. She's written several books. She has a podcast called Unlocking Us. That's which is fabulous. Amazing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, and she is she's an expert in vulnerability. And what I've learned is that vulnerability is essential to live authentically, but it's really scary. Bernay says vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up when you can't control the outcome. Mm. So going back to couples work that I do, when couples are not vulnerable with one another, they lack connection. We as humans are deeply scared to be vulnerable. We lack the connection piece. 
which is imperative for us to accept all of our feelings without judging them. So when we aren't allowing ourselves to go to that place, or when we aren't taught that, it leads to anxiety. Wow. Wow. That that's that's a deep thing. I want to point I want to go back to that for a second when when we're not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. When we're worried about how others will judge us because of our feelings, that leads to anxiety. Because we stuff it. We stuff yeah. it and we we don't allow ourselves that space to feel that and then that's when that volcanic eruption over time will happen. So and that anxiety can come out in lots of different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. You just like ding, 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 something for me. Like seriously. Wow. So this is where boundaries are really important. And part of the reason for this podcast is to learn to say no, to set boundaries and live an empowered life that allows you to be your authentic self. If you say yes to something, but you really mean no, that's where you have, and I'm air quoting, anxiety, because you did something that was out of alignment to what was true for you, which then manifests itself and often looks like anxiety because it's our body's natural way of saying, wait a second, pump the brakes, there's something there that needs to be processed. So I'm guessing that's the feeling when people are like, oh, I said yes, but I really don't want to go. And then they're up all night worrying about how do I now tell this person no when I already said yes? And why did I do that? And then you feel shame, um, 100%. embarrassment, all yep. those those self-doubting moments. Exactly. And And so when we notice that like gut reaction, we have to ask ourselves, like, why did I feel the need to say yes when I really meant no? What was I afraid of? Who was I afraid of disappointing? One thing that I really want you to take away from this, and one of the things that I teach clients, is our body sensations give our brains information for us to tend to it. So it's like a red flag or red siren, like, hello, hello, pay attention. Exactly. The body takes all of those messages from our past societal expectations and our inner critic and creates a narrative in our head that we then start to believe. If that narrative is not aligned with what we feel is true to our core, that's when our body has that visceral reaction. I can tell you guys in my life, when I get anxious, I know why, because I've done this work. I get anxious when I'm over busying myself, when I feel rushed, when I'm having difficulty with the kids, and I feel like I'm failing as a mom. I am extremely tired. I've said yes when I really meant no. When I find myself feeling the need to perform or seek validation, many of the things that I've listed stemmed from unprocessed emotions from my childhood. Through therapy and personal development, I've learned to unpack these. And 
I had a I had a wonderful childhood. My parents are wonderful people. It is not to say that you know we were raised the wrong way. We just didn't know enough then. And now that we do, we have to go back and we have to heal from some of those things. Yeah, no matter how wonderful parents are, they're human. Mm-hmm. They're human and people make mistakes and you know, I'm I, I I come from one completely 360 degree one or 180 degree different life experience than my husband in his family. He came from this like idyllic suburban nuclear family, you know, with two parents in the house and outwardly everything looks perfect. And they were the most wonderful people. Like I could not have asked for better in-laws, you know, but, um, but they weren't perfect either. Mm -hmm. And I can see that, um, you know, everyone has work to do just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And, so. and a lot of the couples work that I do, it's merging those two because our history explains us, but it doesn't define us. And so right. being able to recognize, well, I am this way or I am conditioned this way because of my upbringing, but you then have to do your own work to figure out what sits well for you and what you need. So the reality is that I know for me, like I can choose my schedule. I can choose my boundaries, but shame wants to creep its ugly head and make me question myself make me go down the spiral of like self-doubt, making assumptions that people are going to be mad or disappointed, or I'm failing, I'm doing the wrong thing, I'm letting someone down. That's shame. Mm -hmm. Healthy relationships allow for saying no and setting boundaries without an explanation. Heather, you've mentioned over and over, no is a complete sentence. And on our last episode, Allie Klotz mentioned that she was worried about saying no to plans based on other people's reactions when in reality, when she started to practice this, when she started to, we've talked about this time and time again, you know, strengthen that muscle, she came to find out that they didn't even really need an explanation. It was just more of that narrative in her head. Right. So, Fear can be a wonderful tool to help us wake up, but the problem is we aren't waking up. We aren't getting the memo that we need to attune to what lies within. We just keep going, going, going. We fill the void in our soul by hustling. We we hustle, we placate, we perform, we please, we achieve but we're not hitting the root cause and doing the deeper work. So no wonder we're anxious. We all have fears and these and all of these different emotions, but we don't talk about them. I am on a mission for emotional wellness and emotional availability and vulnerability. The reason I'm sharing all of this with you is I want us to be able to acknowledge our emotions and where they are rooted so that we can start doing the real work. Trauma is what happens inside of us, not what happens to us. So let me say that again. Trauma is what happens inside of us, 
not what happens to us. The message that comes from our inner critic, we have to be aware of the high and unrealistic expectations, the ones we place on ourselves. Um, I joke about this with my husband all the time, and I tell him that there's a shitty committee that meets in my head. <laughs> I think I have one of those too. And and mm. he so so this is going to be super embarrassing you guys, but I like I'm I'm just going to be real. I have my shitty committee and my positive posse. <laughs> And, oh my God, and so my shitty committee fills my head with negativity and lies, which sometimes can feel extremely paralyzing and it comes through as anxiety. And so then, and Justin jokes about it, but he's like, all right, let's get that positive posse out. And we have <laughs> to start reminding ourselves of, of the reality of the truth. I love that. I'm visualizing like the shitty committee meets in like some horrible, dank 1990s decorated, all in black, fluorescent yep. lit, tans and browns meeting room. And then the the positive posse are like these fly girls and designer, like with music and fans blowing their hair and like snapping their fingers and like, come on, girl. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yes. I love it. Yes, I love it. yes. So that's truly, it's, you know, that positive and that negative thinking, but you have to own it and you have to create what works for you. So this unprocessed trauma, again, it is what has happened inside of us, not what happened to us. It can mm-hmm. be emotional the neglect, mental, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, abandonment, rejection, moves, divorces, breakups. If you do not go back and process those things, your body actually holds on to those things that have happened in the past. And then it sends messages to our brain, which are then associated and reborn Mm -hmm. with situations that are happening in real time. Yeah. That's what happened to me. Totally. Yeah. And it happens all the time with clients I'm working with. I have clients that I work with that have gone through deep trauma and they will tell me that they really don't remember. That's actually your body's way of protecting itself. Mm -hmm. Your body and brain will heal itself, but you have to work through it. You cannot, like we've been talking, continue to stuff those feelings. You have to sit with it and you have to process through. And this is something that if, as you're listening, you're nodding your head, I would highly encourage you to seek out a mental health professional. You can go to our website and on the show notes page, there is a link that can you can use to find a therapist near you. You are the expert. I say this and I will continue to say this. You know you better than anyone. You actually know what to do. The answers lie within you. The therapist 
their job is to attune to you and help guide you while holding a safe space for you to process through these memories. The relief that you will feel, and I am sharing this because I've experienced it through my own personal therapy, but also I sit day in and day out with people that are experiencing this. You feel such relief and this is so significant and life-changing because you are changing generations. That is why I'm so passionate about the systemic work the family system work, because specifically anxiety, and I'm air quoting again, it's that unprocessed emotions showing up in our lives and you will pass it on. Even if you think you're doing things totally different, things look totally different, anxiety is one of the most contagious things And it's that inner child stuff that you're putting onto your kids. So that is why the self-work is one of the most valuable investments you'll ever make. And I'm not here to sell you on therapy because obviously I'm biased and I truly feel (laughs) everybody should be in therapy. But truly doing this self-work will stop unhelpful generational patterns. With anxiety, you have to look at and you have to ask yourself, am I reacting to what's happening in the present moment from my own history? I often ask clients, when you react to a situation where you feel triggered, how old do you feel when you're reacting? Do you feel like a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, a teenager? Again, As a mental health professional, like I have the tools, I teach these things, but in my own life, like I am human and I realize that my reactions, it's like, oh my gosh, like the 13 year old Sarah just came out of my mouth. Like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Well, that's my body's way of helping me figure out what it's my body's sensation that's giving my brain information that something needs to be processed. And so those are just some helpful questions to ask yourself. If you do not heal your history, you'll repeat your history. Your reactions are here to wake you up. The feeling of anxiety is letting you know there's deeper work that needs to be done. We aren't going to cover everything on this mini-sode, but I wanted you to get a better understanding of the truth behind anxiety. In our next mini-sode, which Heather had shared, I'm going to be answering questions and I will be sharing some tools that you can use to better manage the feelings that you're having how to take a deeper dive, and then also how to support people in your own life that may be experiencing things like this. (sighs) Okay. Well, that was a lot. It was really helpful. Um, I've already had a few light bulbs go off in my brain. so, um, So thanks, Sarah. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. 
Okay, guys. Well, that's it for now. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of days with questions and answers relating to anxiety. Um, Don't forget, you can ask us questions on our website uh, by sending an email. You can go to our anchor page. There's also links to that on our website. There's a little button where you can record a question. And uh, we'll be putting some um, Instagram stories up with little text boxes where you can type in a question. Um, And Sarah will be answering those on Friday. Okay, but until then, have a great day. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.